But what we found is that even the best coaches in the world, the best personal trainers, the coaches coaching SEAL team four, six, whatever, they were underpaid, they were overworked, and they oftentimes didn't last in the profession. The head college strength coach is making some money, but, but the rest of these folks who are uber talented, very respected, are wearing a logo that a lot of coaches kind of look at and say, hey, I want that. When they got there, they weren't able to sustain that for the long term. Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education gear to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Hi, everyone. It is Jordan Boxer here uh, with another episode of Leader in Sport. And today I'm with, uh, it's a special episode. We have two guests. Normally we only have one. So we have our very own Ryan Darrow. I said it right this time, sports nutrition specialist over at DFS. And we have Josh Sucher. Did I say that right? Yep. Good. Everyone, every episode, they're like, this guy's going to butcher their last name, who is uh, over with Train Heroic. And for anyone who's not familiar, Train Heroic is an app that makes the life of a trainer significantly easier to train both the in-person athletes, but especially there's a lot of benefit if you have an online training business. So... Um, yeah, I'd love actually, Josh, you can tell us a little bit of the history of how Train Heroic got started, uh, the inspiration to it and how it's, it's, I think during COVID you were basically a godsend for a lot of people. So hearing about how you've been able to assist all these trainers in their business and helping them excel anywhere in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people when we look at COVID and what COVID did, Train Heroic up to that point was a vitamin, right? You okay. can take vitamins because you're trying to optimize and maybe you take vitamins for sort of that last 20%, mm -hmm. right? But if you don't take your vitamins, you're still feeling okay. Uh, and maybe we can get into it. Maybe we can no, you're that. wrong. Everyone needs to take <laughs> right. tons Good of protein start. all Good the time. <laughs> right. But, but, but the reality is like you can live without your vitamins, although it might not be living your, living your best life. Right? Yeah. But, but in COVID, we became a painkiller. And coaches, trainers, uh, you know, regardless of the setting, whether you're in the tactical setting or the pro setting or the private setting, they were in a lot of pain without a product that could, uh, without a delivery system for their training and without the ability to communicate and connect with their, with their members or, or their athletes. So, uh, for a little bit of history and just to answer your question, Train Heroic was born in, in 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, Ben Crookston founded the company Ben and I were real good friends at the university of San Diego. We're both from Chicago. So we just became buddies being two Chicago, um, guys in, in California. And when we got done playing, we were lucky enough to play for for Jim Harbaugh, uh, who had this strength coach named Shannon Turley. In fact, what Shan sport? What sport is that? Football. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's Canadian. <laughs> I'm Forget Canadian. Our Canadian okay. friend. So Harbaugh then went on to to coach Stanford. Oh. Uh, okay. Then the 49ers, <laughs> and now he's at Michigan, contending for a national championship. So he he's always attracted really really good talent, uh, not just in in terms of like the athletes that he's recruited, but the coaches that want to be around him. Mm -hmm. So he had this guy Shannon Turley, uh, that was the most recent strength coach at CU before Dion came. And, um, and Turley then went on to Stanford to win strength coach of the year. And to make a long story long, we learned how to train much later than we wish we knew how to train. So we wish we were training that way when we were 12 instead of 22. You know, it's it, the more people I bring on the show, um, especially with college athletics, like people will be listening to you and be like, wow, I wish I started in my twenties. Cause yeah. it seems like there was this lack of good training when we were younger that would actually impact athleticism like it was almost this old school we had one person on the podcast he played for 
Central Michigan with Antonio Brown. Mm -hmm. And the story he told us, he had to do like 100, 120% squats, like with a spotter, but he had, and it like blew his back out. And it was like, this was the type of training they were given back then. Mm -hmm. But anyway, sorry, it's just an interesting thing I'm noticing. Well, I think the horror stories that you hear, like, I mean, they span wide too. It's in, it's in the high school level. It's, I mean, Ben used to tell the story that him, him and his buddies, the, the coach would just unlock the gym. So they would just go in there. And they were just lifting as heavy as they could, and every day they squatted, and every day they benched. Yeah. And um, you know, you can get into the nuance with the stuff like, is that better than doing nothing? Like maybe or whatever. But my point is, like, it wasn't optimal. And although my potential was not like sky high, Ben's was higher than than mine. But I had a lot of buddies that played football in high school that could have been very special, um, and they were willing to do to do anything, and and they had the work ethic, but they just didn't know what to do. So. Just this idea of taking what Coach Turley and another coach that came in after Turley named Stefan Roche, what they taught us, packaging it in a way that made it digestible, fun, um, and most importantly, progressive for, mm-hmm. for athletes to help them get to wherever they wanted to go was something that was really interesting. Ben came and approached me with that idea. He was coaching at an inner city school in Chicago called Perspective. This is in like the the worst of neighborhoods that you can live in in Chicago. And these kids couldn't learn anything in the in the classroom. Uh, he was an English teacher. When I say couldn't learn anything, they weren't, it didn't, they didn't care. They just, the, the attention span was They had there. bigger problems. Right, yeah. And, and, and it, you know, when, when you think that the, the roof is going to fall, you're not going to pay attention to what's happening on the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. But so like things were happening around their lives where they couldn't, they, they just weren't willing to learn in the classroom. But when he took them to the weight room and was training with them, you're like, oh God, they, they really, like something clicked, something snapped. They're, they're having uh, an experience that, um, for the first time in some of their lives, maybe they're like feeling success and they're feeling progress. So, so he was just like, we got to do more of this. We, we ought to take what we learned and, and package it together and, and teach kids how to train to be, to be athletes, how to, how to play football was our initial uh, kind of target, just aiming really, really small, right? So we went and raised money and, and started the company. And that was the focus initially. And this is again, you know, 13 years ago. And now, like you said, it was like, sure, it was super niched into this, but you know, when I used your guys app with one of my coaches who was coaching me, I loved the fact that it was like my personal trainer in my pocket. Yeah. So for trainers listening, a lot of them who do virtual training or what was the standard before is you get this like little Excel sheet. Yeah. Right. And it's like do X reps, you know, whatever, whatever work RDLs, then bench press, whatever. But if I didn't know how to do it, I'd have to go on Google or go on YouTube, search it. And then I was tracking everything with a pen and paper and you guys made this thing so easy to follow that progress actually, I think, becomes a lot easier because it's like in the app, I can look at the training, mm-hmm. I can track my progress, I can see how my strength's going up or how much weight I'm lifting. And you gamify it, which I think helps, whether it's that NFL hopeful or that, that football player or the gen pop, stay committed to the program because mm-hmm. they're seeing their wins week in, week out. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. People ask me all the time, what's the difference between you and the next guy, whatever training app that is, or the Excel doc, right? And, and I'll start by saying the content is, is maybe not the most important thing. I, I, my biased opinion is the coach is actually the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Next maybe is the content, right? So a, a good coach can use Excel and they can send you something. That is going to work. It will work. Is it optimal? No, there are better ways to do it. To your point, if you don't know what a DB lunge is and you're training, you, you know, you, you pull, you, maybe then you're pulling out your phone, you're researching this or whatever. I tell the story. I got a packet, a summer packet when I was getting ready to play college football. It had DB lunges in it. 
I didn't do DB lunges because that's an acronym in football. DB means defensive back. <laughs> I was a fullback. <laughs> so so I thought, thought that they... was a position specific thing for the DBs. <laughs> okay. And it's embarrassing to say now, but we had no strength coach in high school. I never saw the term DB anything. And now that I'm in this world, it's like, oh yeah, you have DB lunges, you have DB press, right? It's just an implement that it, that is used. But that's just an example of, of why some of those systems can break. Now, to to um, kind of finish that thought, sure, the coach is the most important, then the content's next. What we found, especially in the high school environment, was there might be 100 kids on the team. 80 of them didn't really care that much. 20 of them were were, were super in. engaged yeah, and yeah, dialed, yeah. right? The other 80 maybe just wanted to wear the uniform or date the girl or whatever, and this was the thing that was going to help them get there. So we had to create an, an experience that was sticky, that was engaging, that was fun, that gave like in and of itself some joy to the person doing it. And I think that today sets us apart from the competition is that we kind of started in this very gritty environment where we had to be fun and exciting. Now I view our mission to just keep coaches connected to their athletes. We're this necessary evil in between the two. Yeah, but it, it, you know, like even as a user, I still remember it, you track like how many, your tonnage in a workout mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, I want to beat that tonnage. Yeah. And which can be unhealthy, I guess, depending on the person, but still like it was motivating for me. It was like, okay, I just need to do five more pounds on this one set and I'll Sure. So it's going to be this steady, slow gain, but you're trying to beat yourself every t every single workout. Yeah. Um, Which is great because your coach isn't there, right? So you have such an opportunity to push yourself. Yeah, but I think, yeah, 100%. And, and for coaches listening, it's like, so there's a rule in business or in marketing, even though every, you know rules are meant to be broken. But the idea is that the first 100 days that you work with a client that's when they'll decide if they're going to be sticky to you for long periods of time or fall off. Mm -hmm. And what your app allows is that first hundred days, especially of like online training to become a lot stickier yeah. because if I'm somebody who, you know, I don't know what an RDL looks like, or I don't know what a Jefferson curl looks like or a bench press or DB lunge. And I have this app and I know like, okay, I just go on this app. It's super easy. It tracks everything. I don't want to lose access to the app. And mm -hmm. if the coach is recommending and I fall away from the coach, I don't get access to it anymore. Right? right. It's, it's so it's a really good tool as an entrepreneurial coach to have in their tool belt that I think is definitely worth the investment and the effort to learn how to use it. Totally. Yeah. You know, as we've kind of evolved, it's like you have the basic tool and the tool does the most basic of things, right? It allows a coach to deliver their training to their athlete. Then when we get into the nuance, I think even into the world that we're in today and, and maybe even just the coaches or trainers that listen to the show, what we found is that even the best coaches in the world, the best personal trainers, the coaches coaching, you know, SEAL team, you know, four, six, whatever, they were underpaid, they were overworked, and they oftentimes didn't last in the profession. The head college strength coach is making some money, but but the rest of these folks who are, who are uber talented, very respected, are wearing a logo that a lot of coaches kind of uh, look at and say, hey, I want that. When they got there, they weren't able to sustain that for the long term. It's a, this is a grind that people not in our space, I don't think understand. Like, as you said, you see this big brand, whether it's like Florida or Michigan or whoever, sure. and that associate strength coach might only be making like 17 or 22,000 when they're starting. And it's like, how do you sustain a life you're, you're, you become an expert in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think what's cool about your app is like, it allows them now, sure, they don't have the time to be the hour in, hour out coach because they're in their team, but this opens up a market where maybe they get five or 10 or 20 distant athlete or um, clients that they can train anywhere in the world 
do a good job for them and make some side income. Totally. The relationships built there already. What we found is that, okay, these college strength conditioning coaches now are making 500 bucks a month on the side, which was significant for them, you know, training 10 alumni because the alumni trusted them, knew that they were awesome at their job. And uh, they now had a tool to do that. So like we really leaned in hard to the private market. And the, the objective was, it, it's always been to democ- to bring performance to the people. That's always been our battle cry. But but then it then it was layered with we we need to make this this uh, profession sustainable. We need to unlock a coach's ability to scale and grow their business. And so our the tools that we've kind of layered onto our tools let lend itself to those types of things. So it's a business in a box kind of kind of deal for a coach. Yeah. So I would actually love to the people performance to the people exactly. I would actually love your perspective for. We have a lot of coaches, I think, who are in this boat of like, I'm going to become an amazing strength coach, tie myself to a team, mm-hmm. work day in, day out, and they're perfectionists. They want to get great results. You being an ex-athlete who then became this entrepreneur, what can we do? What perspective could we offer these guys and girls to help them start shifting, thinking like, hey, it might be good for me to have a side business. I'm still in the same space. How do we get them to be comfortable to take that step? Because I think a lot of them feel like a they don't have the time b maybe it's like cheating on their current job in a way or they just don't feel worthy enough to set up the business so i know you deal with so many of these guys and you've seen the successful path but for the person listening who is fearful to take that step what what do you think you you can tell them to rev them up to to take that plunge well i'll start by saying i've not been been in their exact shoes you know i've seen it secondhand and it's much different like everybody can look at somebody else and tell them what's best for them Mm -hmm. It's hard when you're in that, when you're in there. And, uh, I, um, that's wise. I think there's a couple rea- there's a couple things happening at once. Uh, what I don't want to say for a second is that that profession isn't worthwhile. And it, like, truly for me, the most impactful, important people in my life have been those folks in that room. They taught me how to work. They taught me how to grind. They taught me how to, how to, they taught toughness. It, it, they just, they always, that coach, that strength coach for me has had such an impact in my life. And I've seen it on my buddies, on my like teammates, all that. Right. So I want to start by saying that it's a worthy, uh, it's a worthy pursuit. What I've seen is that everybody's on a journey. Okay. Um, and, and the young strength coach is on a journey such that they can take that 17 K and, and they're fine. They're going to sleep on a, a buddy's couch and whatever. But, well, but, but later on in their journey, when, they, when they, they're thinking about a family, right, and they've got to make decisions, not necessarily just for themselves, but for their family, now they're put in, put in a tough spot because they love to do this thing. They can see the value firsthand at what they're doing. They're changing, you know, classes of, of, of athletes coming in and out. Uh, and it's no different if you're in a CrossFit gym or a personal trainer or all these things, right? I think the struggle is all similar in that, like, they feel the value. They probably feel some fulfillment. And then they start to feel some exhaustion because it's really hard, the hours are long. And then when the paycheck doesn't necessarily stack up with your peers who maybe are in other you know, avenues making money or whatever, and you're seeing the stuff that maybe they're doing and you wanna do those things, right? Then you start to maybe double, second guess. So I guess my advice might be that you should look at the people who are doing what you're doing, uh, but able to sustain that and ask them questions. How are you doing that? What are you doing? And then I think like, the reality is this, you're awesome at what you're doing, especially if you've been doing it for a long time. The, the benefit that you can offer the world is a lot. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to do it. Train Heroic is just one of them, right? If you were a coach, a, an assistant strength coach, let's say at the University of Alabama, and I'm just guessing, let's say you make 100,000 bucks and you want to double that. Well, 
people are going to respect the fact that you're a strength coach at the University of Alabama. And there's a it's a mar it's it's a marketing tool. A hundred percent. And you know what? I think we're done with the days of. I think we're we're done with the days where it's like you commit to this company, you're there for thirty years, you get your gold watch, and you retire. Don't speak for yourself, man. <laughs> you you run your company. It's a little bit different, but I mean, like, uh, no, like I, you know, I've been here. I've been at I've been with DFH now, be nine years next month. So it's like I'm I'm here, I'm in it, I'm committed. But there's benefits to having, you know, you don't want to compete. So it's like you can't be a strength coach for University of Alabama and then also be a strength coach for University of Florida. It doesn't totally. make sense. But if you are a coach um, who has, let's say, taking private one-on-ones, I think what people don't see right away, you're going to learn lessons training those people mm -hmm. that you're going to be able to apply in your job and make you better at what you do. Like I have a small coaching business I do part-time, um, life and health coaching. And I already see how the bent, like what I've learned in that business is helping me be a better leader at DFS and understand my coaches, but my clients better and the coaches better better communicate with the people I work with. So there's a, yes, I make some side income, but the knowledge benefit, sure. and it's the same, I think for this, it's like, yeah, you're dealing with these athletes, but what trick are you going to learn training that soccer mom maybe, or that CEO type, or, you know, um, somebody who's just trying to age well, that you're going to be able to pull into your performance business yep. um, with the school. Mm -hmm. And I think the shift is, these coaches, and tell me if you agree, need to start focusing that their business is them and like the school's a client yep. and this other person's a client and they're just building their craft and over-delivering everywhere. But that, that's sort of the way I'm trying to frame it in some of these coaches that we work with. Yeah. You know, and I work with a lot of these strength coaches and a lot of them become really good friends and respect them. And what I'm hearing from you guys today is that you know, to answer your, your questions, Jordan, about, well, how do you get them to want to take that next step and to actually do it? And they have so many things going on in their mind about why they shouldn't or couldn't and not on the time, everything, right? But it sounds like with Train Heroic, what you've built is a, is a platform that's not only a better user experience, right? Jordan talked about being motivated to make gains, but this is really a platform that helps the coach make that step because of the nuances. It can be difficult to start a business. Totally. Who's got the time and energy when you're already stressed out being on the road half of the year with your team and so forth and so on. These coaches are looking. I, I don't talk to many of them that don't want more money and find an easy but way that's genuine to them. Mm -hmm. Ethical. Ethical mm -hmm. and genuine. And they do, like Jordan said, they have a certain level of trust and value because of where they work. And that people are going to respect them, which builds trust. They just have to figure out how to turn that into a real business. And you guys can help that onboard real easy to get them going. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. And it looks different for each person, right? Like you might not be um, ready to say, hey, I'm doing this for 10 hours a week or 15 hours or whatever. But to create a training program and to put it up on your, on your social media bio, right? And I'd say like, you know, to lean into your social presence and build that and just deliver value the same way that you do in the weight room. If it's motivation, if it's execution of a movement, if it's nutrition stuff, just put out value, attract that audience. You're effectively building your business. You're building your your mail mailing list or whatever. And then, you know, you can deliver more value for those folks yeah. as you want to invest deeper. And I think what's cool about your app, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's pretty scalable in the sense that like, <clears throat> let's say I, I develop four like roads for clients to come in. Sure. 
like I could I could develop like the structural balance road, right? And then the program's already done and it will auto-populate and send it to the client. Exactly. Or I can, you know, develop the strength speed continuum or and I think for coaches listening who are in the strength coaching world to come over to the personal training realm, like they're not an athlete that's trying to get an extra half an inch on their vert where you have to be perfect. Yeah. Like most people training want to look good, feel good and, you know, age gracefully and putting them in a structural balance program is going to do better than 99% of the stuff they're finding online. Mm -hmm. So it's cool that you could really just build the scalable business and throw them into these four or five or six, or whatever funnels and have the programs already pre-written out where they just graduate to the next one. You can make small little tweaks, but I think it also saves a lot of the exhaustive work of onboarding somebody new. For sure. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, you can get into the philosophy behind coaching and programming, right? Ultimately, a coach is just taking a goal and you're reverse engineering a program to get somebody to that goal, whatever the goal is, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us, you know, I'm, thir I'm 35 and it's like, uh, it's just look good naked. That's right? that's mine. <laughs> uh, for most people, <laughs> yeah. like I want to be able to not be embarrassing when I'm playing pickup basketball and I want to not be picked last on my intramural football team, right? <laughs> so I might, I might dabble in like some more sports yeah. performance type, type stuff, but um, the just a coach's ability to create structured programming that gets somebody towards a goal should not be under uh, appreciated in that own coach's mind. And I've had conversations with coaches that have big businesses on our platform, big businesses. And across the board, this has been uniform. They're all a little bit apprehensive to launch something. It's their own work, right? It's like an artist. And it, they, there's a bit of like fear and anxiety to put something out there. And then I think you couple that with, at least in like the academic market, there's even a fear of how are my colleagues going to perceive this that I've sold out. And I think we need to, as an industry, get away from, from, from that and more perceive it. Are they delivering value? And if they're delivering value, then we should feel that we should be you know, proud of that and appreciate that and, and things like that. So. Yeah. I, I always try to get people to start before they're ready on things because like, have you ever read Lean Startup? Way back. Yeah. yeah. So that MVP philosophy has mm -hmm. stuck with me, like minimal viable product. And even at DFS, like it is super easy and because you started something from the ground up for people to come in and critique everything you're doing. Sure. Oh, you're not doing this right. You should be doing this right. You should be doing that better. So I think a lot of coaches who aren't used to starting a business, they're worried to hear all that feedback. But the feedback that you should be concerned with is from your customers and you use it as information to evolve the program. Totally. But if you don't take that starting step, you have no idea, A, what your clients actually want and you have no idea how to build it moving forward. So it's like, it's something when you're not used to being an entrepreneur or starting something mm -hmm. that can be very daunting. But that's why I always just gently nudge people like just start and you'll be surprised how easy and amazing things can turn out to yeah. be. But it's never perfect. It's not going to be perfect if you wait a year to launch it. Like the typical process when I'm working with a coach, I'll actually go and seek the coaches that I believe we should work with. And it's a smaller group of coaches that maybe have a certain amount of influence or respect or authority or whatever it is that maybe have existing businesses that I think we can do better or they don't yet. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, you could, you could do really well. There'd be a lot of value here. But oftentimes the Delta between them starting today and start like the, the, the difference in a coach, um, launching something today or like in a year is they want it to be perfect. And, and what I need to, what I often like so often have to encourage them to do is like, we are going to kind of aim small, miss small. We're going to launch and learn. And it doesn't need to be perfect. In fact, it'll never be perfect, even if you wait a year. So, yeah. yeah. Charles Pollockman, who was one of my mentors, I was blessed. 
would always tell me perfect is the enemy of the good. Yeah. And like, I'm sure we've all heard some version of that, but applying that. And I actually had someone on the last episode of the podcast before you, we might release it in a different order. His name's Akshay. And he is like this crazy Marine type who like, um, he's going to do a hundred or a 1700 mile trek in the Antarctic all by himself. And I'm like, how do you plan for that? He's like, yeah, you do the best you can, but you have no idea what's going to come up. Yeah, like yeah. you put all the prep work in, but you got to take that plunge and really get comfortable for him. His whole life mission now is getting comfortable with fear. So if you get comfortable with like excitement of what's this going to turn out to him, mm -hmm. get good at adapting, then that's the perfect rule. Like you're never going to have the perfect product. Totally. Yeah. Like, so, um, you guys have been around now for 12 years. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's funny, like we've been around for 12 years, we, we've existed for 12 years, but the, the stages have been very different. Initially it was us, you know, working out of a, a little apartment together. There was like three of us. Then when we took some funding and moved to Boulder is when things got, got real. But what could you share from your entrepreneurial journey that can help these people that we're talking to? Like, it's good that you said start before you're ready, but I think you would look at the finished product to train heroic and be like, oh, this is an amazing business. It's probably amazing the whole time with no friction points and blah, 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 blah. But I'm sure there were some ups and downs and right. resiliency you had to build. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, if you're taking lessons from me, you, you need better friends or, or go to better sources. <laughs> but you so know, humility is one of the first humility. lessons. Okay. Yeah. No, but I tell you, like, if, this has just always been something that I think it was told to me by this, by a mentor of mine and a business partner, this guy, Jay Crookston, but like, it's all about the people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and it is. And for me, it's always been about the people. In fact, Jay asked me, Jay's Ben's father, our founder's father, right? So he asked me initially, why do you want to do this? Like, why, why train heroic? What's so special about it? I said, Jay, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, I don't know about like even the name, the idea of whatever. I've got plenty of questions and we've got to sort out quite a bit. I don't know if we've necessarily hit the bullseye, but I believe in Ben. And, and, you know, I, I think that with Ben, we can do something special. And so as we've grown the company, we've always held that sacred, like who's the next person? to bring in because even if you, you know, quote unquote fail, whatever that means, like we've been doing this, you know, long enough where if it were to disappear tomorrow, I'd be like, that was awesome. That was such a fun party. Let's go to another one. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm excited about the people that we get to party with. And that's, and that's, what's, what's, could, what's coolest. Could we go into that? Because what you're sharing now is something that keeps popping up when I speak to successful entrepreneurs is this like, Oh, if it failed, uh, yeah, let's do it again. Because I don't think people believe you, but I believe you. Yeah. And they're like, ah, he's saying that because it succeeded. But what, can we dig into that a little bit deeper? Well, and even like this notion of like success, right? Like oftentimes people will, will come up to me and, and say, dude, you guys have built something so cool. This is so awesome. It's changed my life. You guys, this is, you know, this thing is massive. Like it's not, it's not. We struggle like anybody else. You know, the, the, the earth looks blue and green when you're way up there, but when you're in the shit, it's, it's, it's dirty. It's messy. And, and we have so much to sort out. Like, I even think if you look at like this in terms of a storybook, we're on chapter like three and this thing's like 30, 30 chapters long. There's so much to, to, to do. Yeah. There's so many parallels to what you just said and what happens in competitive sports. You can look at some of the best teams and, you know, it's a business like any other and they have their, you know, they say winning cures problems and it, you know, and everything, but there's a dysfunction in all types of business sure. and sports and the coaches that are listening, think about the dysfunction in the team you work for now. Maybe there isn't, I don't doubt it. <laughs> think about starting your business. Think about what train heroic has gone through. There's going to be, it's nothing is ever going to be perfect. Yeah. Especially if you're surrounding yourself with winners, like 
you're going to have the biggest arguments ever if you're around people who are just as invested as you are. Yeah. And if you don't have people who are just investing in your team and they don't argue with you, you're like, wait a minute, maybe this is not the right person to have part of the team, yeah. right? Like you want someone who pushes your boundaries and it's going to cause those, as you said, the dysfunction in the teams. But I love you too, Jordan. And, yeah. they, and they, they, you know, like these A players or, or kind of talented folks or whatever, they attract each other. Mm -hmm. And then the folks that aren't uh, will push the good people away. So I think that's something that I've learned is like, the, the more talent that you that you bring around, like I'll tell you, if Ben and I were running this thing at this point, we would be in we'd be in a bad way. But we've only brought in really bright people and we've you know, most of this is let's be honest, guys, it's luck. Like even like our our running into the the guy that invested in us, that owns Peaksware now, that was a lucky encounter. I don't believe in luck. I don't either. I think I'm not gonna get religious here, but I think maybe I will a little things get put in your path and either you're ready to see it or you're not. Yeah. And I don't because I, you know, I've been lucky, quote unquote, that I seem to attract super highly successful people into my life and the most random times. Mm -hmm. But it's people who know me is like, yeah, but that's because you'll talk to a wall. So I'll talk to everyone and they'll come in and it's like, no, 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 it's all luck. It's all luck. But I think you framed your way and probably had your mind looking for it. Your subconscious was searching and then you allowed it to come in. Yeah. And I, and not to discount what you're saying, but it's like, I don't, I really don't think luck exists. I think it's like, are you ready to take the gifts that are being presented to you every single day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I can respect that. I, I believe in luck for sure. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think talking. luck in and of itself will, will oftentimes get the job done. So I do think there are other ingredients, mm -hmm. so to speak, but, um, you know, just, a we've been lucky, blessed, whatever, you know, term you want to give it. Uh, the universe is aligned for us in, in a bunch of ways, right? Even in terms of like timing, like nobody cared about technology in a weight room. We had to convince coaches to let us take tech in the weight room um, when we started this, right? And then just like, oh, with everything that's happened and with the embracing of technology, specifically in the strength conditioning industry, you're going to be hard pressed to find a coach that doesn't use technology today. A hundred percent. And, you know, that's sort of, uh, how do I phrase this? Like, that's where it's like, how do you get ahead of the curve? How do you plan getting ahead of the curve without, yeah. like, you, you guys saw the future and knew at one point you, I think you're going to become essential. And it's getting, I think, these strength coaches also to say it. Like, one of my mentors, uh, he's been saying this for years, and I think now he's right. So, you know, I, we were, I worked originally in the functional medicine space with DFH, and he would get on stage and say, you guys are all competing for patients, thinking there's a limited amount of patients. There's not enough functional health people for all the people who are going to get sick. And people are like, no, you know, it's hard. I got to compete with this guy down the street. And it's like, there's not enough of us. We need more. And when I look at strength coaches and trainers, it's the same thing now. It's like, there aren't enough trainers for the people who are going to need the help that you're going to offer yeah. because we're seeing the fallback of the North American lifestyle and people's health. And they're desperate now to start turning it around. And it's like, if you can set yourself up using app like yours, um, you know, one of our missions at DFS is to work closely with these coaches and dietitians, everyone for them to recommend the product. Sure. Because we have, look, we have a really high quality, expensive product. You need the education to know how to sell it. Yeah. But if you, if you get all these stars in line now, Lux, it's not going to be luck. It's going to be, you were prepared. So sure. The coach who was set up, I'm sure the coach who was set up with you in 2019 and systemized everything was probably like amazing COVID hit. Yep. But it's because they put the effort to prepare and they saw where the future is going. Mm -hmm. So they didn't, maybe they didn't predict COVID or maybe they did. I don't know. But 
it's almost preparing for the change that's happening. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a it's been a a fun ride, you know. So like, you know, Jordan, you asked this question about you know dig into the failure, and you know you hear people say that if it failed, let's do it again. Uh, the the end of like whatever score you want to give the end of it, I'm less interested in, right? And just like what you're learning along the way, who you've become along the way, um, who you've interacted with, the 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 change that you've you know the progress that you've created in your own life and then in, in others has been the most in, important. Uh, impactful thing for for me so how have you personally if you don't mind sharing like how has your life changed on this journey you guys went on over the past 12 years gosh uh we have 15 minutes i'm 35 now right so when we started i was in my early 20s right so i'm just a different person now like who's important to me what's important to me Uh, i've got a son now and one on the way right a a, a wife yeah thanks so i mean I've, i've got a family that means everything to me now um, that truly all those, those three pieces, right. Didn't, they weren't, they weren't there, but going into this, I remember having like, um, a going away party, right. This is when we took this funding. We were like next month we were gone. We were in Boulder from Chicago. We had all our friends there and, and I had said something like, like I meant it. I really meant it. I don't think anybody believed me, but I was like, I'm, we're, I'm doing this for you guys, you know? And so I've always kind of been that way and let like, I've watched my mom, you know, we can, I've watched my mom work like a, you know, work 15 hour days. My mom used to go, true story. My mom, you know, these ladies that are out uh, selling flowers at bars and stuff. That was my mom. Really? After she taught piano all day, every day with five kids. Uh, so I watched my mom work, work and she taught me how to work, you know, just that, that ethic. And so, so I always wanted to do something special for my mom. So I could, you know, so I could kind of do the things for her that she would never do for herself. Um, and so I, it was just always like that. I think I've always been that way. Not always, at least just it's, it's been something that I've learned at a, at a young age that you know, I want to do this for the people around me to, mm-hmm. to make their lives easier. And I'll tell you what, when we started doing this, this was, this was like the Facebook days, right? So you start a tech company, you're like, oh, we're going to be like Facebook. And you just kind of laugh at it now. And I've changed, like my expected outcome has changed quite a bit, right? Like I don't expect this thing to like hit so big that I'm, that I've got all this money at this point. Um, I expect this thing to make real impact, uh, it to change lives, like in a real way, like, you know, you change the life of this kid or the trajectory of this coach or whatever. Um, and less so like from a financial output for myself. This has also been coming up a lot in my life is the idea of a mission-based business versus a profit-based business. And I think when you tie yourself to a mission, it pays such a bigger dividend. And I do think you're also successful when you tie yourself to a mission. It's because you can't just be working day in and day out for profitability. It's just not big enough goal. Yeah. Whereas you're right when you say like, oh, impact. So to bring it to these coaches, it's like, yeah, you want to make side money. But if your mission is like, I want to help that mom be able to be active with her kids and be present with her kids, it drives you a lot more than I just want to get another client to make a hundred bucks an hour, 200 bucks an hour, whatever your rate is. And at DFS, we actually brought our whole team together about a year ago. It was July. So a year ago when this comes out and I forced everyone to put their values together and come up with the values of the company. So that it was like, what was our mission and what are our values? And everything is bred through that lens. Because I know when things get tough, just as you're saying, like that's going to kick you into the next. That'll make you get through it easier than, okay, do we sell 
a million dollars of protein this month. Like, yes, that's the goal, but are we hitting what our values are and our mission is? Yeah. Yeah. Those things are, you know, like professionalizing the organization. We used to have certain values as we came together with, with, with peaks where we have really three values. It's be human, be deliberate and be impactful. Uh, we had, we had like more nuanced values, uh, in the past with, mm-hmm. with trainer It was like, uh, you know, be aggressive and, and just something, you know, it was a bit more <laughs> gritty. And it was at that point, again, it was like five guys in a, in all a, in their in young, a, early twenties. Exactly. All in their, all in yeah, their, you thought you were Facebook for Go sure. Go hunt your food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, Ben said this before, he said, we need missionaries, not mercenaries. And when you have people that are on a mission, uh, the, the speed at which they do things, the, the intensity at which they do it and, uh, the fulfillment that it brings is is very different. It's not for a paycheck. One of my mentors, just Joe Polish, I'll hand it to him. So he just told me this line. Um, Napoleon, what's Napoleon's line? It's something like when he realized men would die for a blue ribbon. That was like this changing thing. So it's like, what's going to be the blue ribbon that we all want to die for? Yeah. You get to create it. Like, what is your mission? What is your blue ribbon? You obviously don't want to die for it, but you're going to give everything you can to sure. this mission. And, uh, yeah, I think what you guys are saying, like create real impact and like how hard, how humbling was it for you when you real, like, did you ever sit and realize like, wow, like, and it's probably hard for you. Cause I can see how you, you almost want to be humble just with like the, the, like, I don't want to be boastful in a way, but like you were key responsible for a lot of these coaches to be able to stay afloat through this crisis that sunk a lot of them and they couldn't feed their family and also give all those people impact. Like how many, are you okay to share how many like uh, users you guys have? Yeah. I mean, just like round like people, numbers. Yeah. Let's just say we work with 10,000, 10, 10 coaches, right. about, about 10,000. Yeah. Coaches. So you have 10,000 trainers that you're able to help make their business more impactful. Plus all those people that are getting proper training now because of this thing you set up. Sure. Like, what does that mean? Like what, how many backs being thrown out did you save? How many shoulder injuries did you save? Like, it's a huge impact when you think about it from like the 30,000 yeah. foot view. Yeah. What's that feel like? You know, I, here's what I like. And I don't mean this to be humble. I have very little to do with that. I, I really do. Like we have an awesome team. We have a, a big team so you that can't, does. You can't receive I'm it. telling you. No, no. But, but the thing is like. <laughs> the team wouldn't have been there without you and your crucial part. Our, somebody had asked me once, like, why are all these people? I'm, the team's there because Ben got them there. Right. So Ben's been like the catalyst. and Yeah. And, and again, not to make this who did what. Type I believe thing. you. I totally believe you. You find people better than you, and you let them fly. And and, and but really, like, in, if you just take the pandemic as an example, like you know, at that point we had a team of like twenty five engineers who busted their tails to make sure that things were you know staying online and moving forward and all that. They're the folks that that made all this happen for sure. Was I there in the beginning of the story? Yeah. Ha- have I had a hand in this? Of course, I have. And I'm the guy there that gets to like talk to people. <laughs> and so people are like, oh, Josh, you did this and you did this. Truly, Josh Sutra has very little to do with the success of Trainer Rogue. I promise you. Okay, sure. And yeah. you can walk through our building and they're like, no, that was Chelsea did that and Brian okay. did this yeah, and Ben yeah. did that. Yeah. But still, have you sat with that feeling being part of something? <laughs> it's fun to be on a team that you love, that that you enjoy playing with and working with. And, and I think it's, the thing is, so I think it's cool, but the thing is, for me, and I think Ben would say the exact same thing. And now we've kind of joined, we've joined forces with, with training peaks. So the organization's gotten a lot bigger. The vision's gotten bigger. The, the future looks brighter. We've brought in like this, this guy, Lee Jarakos, um, at the executive level, he's the president. And so like you start to, 
you start to uh, work with these folks and you're like, oh shit, like, I think we're going to do something cool here. But we're so far from what we know this thing could be that it's hard to appreciate it now because we're just, we really are just getting started. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I'm hard pressed to like sit back and be like, this is, this has been. Okay. I'll ask you in five years. Yeah. Ask me in five years. I'll come back on and I'll ask you in five years. So um, just before we wrap up the episode, I always like to give three takeaways for people because we've just been speaking for 40 minutes. Like what are some gold nuggets? So I think the first one I got from you is like in a very plain sense, like be a little bit more bulletproof in your business. Start the side business. It's okay to make money on the side. You're going to be able to help all these people out. They can't see you nodding, but you're nodding. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. you have value. Yeah. It's you how ha- I would summarize yes. that, right? Your, your skill set is valuable. You can package that and sell it. Yeah. Um, the second one that I picked up is yes, there's luck, but prepare for the next wave and make, cause like you, you can have all these tools available to you, start getting to know them before it's like everyone knows them. Sure. And the third one is tying yourself to a mission past the paycheck. I think I really like that one. Yeah. So if you're, and I think most of the coaches listening here, like, I don't think people, yeah, they want to make money, but I don't know how many dietitian, strength coaches, personal trainers, are like I'm going to do this, to become rich. No. There's a care that you want to see these people. So it's like, yeah. just remind yourself of that. Like there's this bigger mission there. Yeah. Uh, if people want to find you or train heroic, where can they? Yeah. Uh, train heroic.com. Okay. I'm train heroic Josh on, on Instagram and, and I've got like 14 or 15 followers. So feel free to feel free to uh, sure. give that okay. a follow. But train heroic.com is where you can find but yeah. Uh, and Ryan, you were very vocal today, but where can people find you if they want to find you? 801-687-799. Yeah. Ryan is Instagram-less, Facebook-less, LinkedIn-less. I have uh, LinkedIn. That's it. Ryan okay. Darrow on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Perfect. And uh, your email, Ryan? Ryan Darrow. Not Darrow, but spelled the same way. Ryan Darrow at designsforsport.com. Perfect. Thank you. Anyone wants to find me, uh, my name is Jordan Boxer, born underscore ah uh, underscore boxer. And, or you can just message the Designs for Sport Instagram. But thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. I really appreciated it. And we will see you all soon. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.